Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I love that song. I love the story of Barnum, you know, who is widely considered to be a flim-flam man, you know, someone who was who was um, engaged in the practice of uh, manipulation. And yeah, he has that reputation, but did you know he was actually very much a metaphysical practitioner? He was very much rooted in this philosophy. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, he, well, and I, know, and I know this about him, mostly because I did a different musical about him back in 2006, a musical called Barnum. And uh, I didn't play Barnum in that show. I played a clown. (laughs) But I understudied Barnum. (laughs) Never went on. And I'll tell you the reason I never went on is because in that show, you have to walk a tightrope, literally walk a tightrope. It's part of the show. And I tried and trained and tried and trained, and I could never get the tightrope walked down. So gratefully, I never had to go on. <laughs> so he, one of the people that was sort of a contemporary uh, of his, I, although I don't think they knew each other, was a woman named Emma Curtis Hopkins. Emma Curtis Hopkins, within New Thought communities and in New Thought circles and teaching, is known as the teacher of teachers. She was perhaps one of the most influential voices in the New Thought movement to ever exist. She was the teacher of, the, of Melinda Kramer and Nona Brooks, who were the who were the founders of the divine science branch of New Thought. She was a teacher of the Fillmores, Myrtle and Charles Fillmore, who, of course, were the founders of Unity. She was a teacher of Ernest Holmes, who was a founder of religious science. She was a prolific teacher of this philosophy. Um, She was, early, early on, she was involved with Mary Baker Eddy, who went on to... Uh, found the Christian science religion. If you want to know more about all of those things, uh, you can take a history class. That's, that's it on the history today. Um, she had this to offer. The world will persist in exhibiting before you what you persist in affirming the world is. The world will persist in exhibiting before you what you persist in affirming the world is. There are a couple aspects to this magnificent quotation. First of all, there's a time element in it. Persistence. Persistence. What is it that is persistent in our hearts and in our minds? What is it that is persistent in our hearts and in our minds? Because as she offers here, whatever that is, whatever it is that we are persistent in affirming in our hearts and minds about the world is how we will experience the world. Irrespective of the circumstances, we will experience the world rooted in our frame of mind and in our frame 
of heart. That's a fundamental premise of the entire New Thought movement. The world will persist in exhibiting before you what you persist in affirming the world is. So how do you choose to see the world? That's a rhetorical question. Just check in. How do you choose to see the world? We will never experience, we will never experience that which we are not willing to express ourselves. We will never experience that which we are not willing to express ourselves and to be proactive in that. It is very easy, it is very easy to get caught up in what we perceive to be challenging circumstances in life and to then be, into, be in a reactionary state aligned with that vibrational energy. Anyone ever have that experience? Like, oh, the circumstances feel really challenging, and so now I'm going to align myself with that vibrational energy of challenge, and oh, now my life is a challenge. It's very easy in a challenging world to react in that way. But, and I like the word but in this case, oftentimes I don't like the word but because when you say but, you've negated everything that has preceded what you've just said. So I'm happy to negate the idea that a challenging world is something that I should react to and live within that vibrational energy. So in a challenging world, it is easier to react, align with the vibrational energy I receive, but am I giving up choice in the matter by letting my action be reactive and expedient rather than thoughtful? I think a lot of times people want to come to New Thought, they come to these spiritual centers and they think, oh, I'm learning something that is contrary to my traditional religion that I was raised in, and, um, and now it sounds really right, and now I want everything to just be perfect. <laughs> but why isn't everything perfect right now? Because we often look for expediency, but we don't need to be expedient. What we are looking to do is train our minds, train our hearts, so that we're not reactive, but proactive in a habitual way. That we are rooting ourselves in a new habit of being, thinking, and feeling. And as we, this is, by the way, this is the first Sunday of the month, so there's a little bit of a back-to-basics element to today's message. To really understand that as we habitualize the good, we experience the good. And experience is our inner relationship to circumstances. So two people can have the same exact circumstances, but the experience of this person will differ from the experience of this person because of what is in their mind and in their heart. We're all in circumstances, right? You're in a circumstance right now. You're in a circumstance right now. How you choose to be in that circumstance is your experience of the circumstances. Does that make sense? Yeah. We proliferate the common vibration of all that is unless we choose not to. That's the reactive state of mind. That's the reactive state of heart. When we are in reaction, we are proliferating the common vibration. We could view the world... And it's very easy to do this. We could view the, you know, every time there are people behind me, I always want to like make sure that you're in with me. Um, got it? Awesome. Yes. We could view the world 
as full of low-frequency vibrations. And the thing is, I experience a lot of people in my, well, not in my sphere, but in the greater sphere, who experience the world in low-frequency vibrations. Low-frequency vibrations are vibrations of anger, distrust, resentment. And it's super easy to get caught up in that because we have advertising that tells us that we should be less than. And the news tells us about all the things we should be angry about. And politics tells us everything we should distrust. It's very easy to be in alignment and to resonate with those low-frequency vibrations. So my question then is this. Are we persisting in exhibiting this lowness by maintaining as our affirmation things about which we should be angry, distrustful, or resentful? That's how these things are maintained in our experience. In the song, it starts off talking about some of these lower-frequency ideas. You stumble through your days. you got your head hung low, Your sky's a shade of gray, like a zombie in a maze. Ooh, I see a lot of zombies around me. Like a zombie, and it's it's not not, not back here. (laughs) And (laughs) And I can either look and see that people who are living below a level of awareness and just letting themselves be in a reactionary state, I could judge it. I choose not to judge it. I choose not to judge it, but I can be aware of it. I can see that that is the way some people are experiencing this thing called life. Like zombies in a maze, they're asleep inside. You're asleep inside. I've been asleep inside in my past. Sometimes I still find myself asleep inside. And that's the thing about this philosophy, is it's a consistent unfoldment. There's no destination, period, end of sentence. There is no destination, There is only the manner in which we continue to evolve and grow and thrive. And it's going to look different. And it's going to look different. And it's going to look different. But this lyric, you can shake awake. You can shake awake. It is possible to come alive for each and every one of us with an alternative frequency. We have the capacity to change the tone of our expression and experience, not just in our immediate vicinity. Ooh, that's a great place to start. But we have the capacity, right where each and every one of us is, to change the vibrational tone worldwide. Each and every one of us is the infinite power expressing as us. So the infinite power of creation is existing as each and every one of us. So we have the capacity to allow that infinite nature, which is us, to change. Actually, let's go beyond the world. Let's go to the universe. To shift the entire tone of the universe. Are you, here's the question, are you willing to accept that as a personal responsibility? Good for you. And the rest of you? Okay, so that's four. <laughs> we're here, we're here, three. Yeah, we're yeah. So seven, eight. Okay, I get that. You thought it was rhetorical. What? <laughs> well, you're about to go to, the, to, the, to one of my favorite quotes of Ernest Holmes of all time, which is, one alone in consciousness with the infinite constitutes a complete majority. 
One alone in consciousness with the infinite constitutes a complete majority. We have the power, each and every one of us. And if it's only the eight of us, Did you get some agreement back here? Yes? All right, all right, eight, nine, ten, we're up to 11. <laughs> Numbers are less important than the consciousness by which you choose to experience life and express life. If you are fully immersed in and expressing as the infinite, which is your nature, which is who you are, then right where you are, you can create universal change. And sometimes it's easier when you're in community, which is why we gather together in communities like this. In 1993, there was a study that was done in Washington, D.C. In this study, a group decided to engage in the practice of TM, Transcendental Meditation, collectively, all at the same time with the purpose of deepening into a realization that we are transcendent, beyond the physical. Our physical is spirit, but that which is us is beyond just the physical. We are part of the infinite wholeness. What happened during that practice of group meditation is violent crime in Washington, D.C. dropped by 23%. They studied this. They, they actually quantified it. That's the power that we have, each and every one of us. If you think you can't make a difference, you're right. If you think you can't make a difference, you're right. If you think you can make a difference, you're right. How are you choosing to think? How are you choosing to believe? How are you choosing to feel? Because to learn how to think is to learn how to live. I say at the beginning of every celebration, I'm not here to tell you what to think or how to believe or any of that. You get to determine that. Because note that that phrase, to learn how to think is to learn how to live, is not me saying learning what to think is how you will live. How do you think? How do you believe? How do you feel? Those are what are creating your experience. It's about method, not about the content. I, every time I teach a prayer class, it's usually the third or fourth class, I try to really impress upon the students in that class, prayer is not a magic incantation. It is not about finding the right words. It's about finding that energy behind the words. Because God doesn't speak a language. Think about it. If I were to ask you what language does God speak, what language would it be? It would be all languages and no languages. Because language is a limitation in the infinite. And so when you are doing your prayer work, when you're engaged in your spiritual work, I invite you to look less for the right words and allow yourself to feel what is meant to be felt in the experience that you would like to have. It is about method, not about content. That's what's important. One of the ways that we can engage in this, you know, I talked a few weeks ago and invited the homework of engaging in random acts of kindness. The, I like the acronym SPARK, Spiritual Practice and Acts of Random Kindness. SPARK, we get to spark our lives, right? 
And, ra- and, and, and here's what happens. Did anyone do that homework? Should I start grading people on their homework assignments? <laughs> no. Here's the thing about random acts of kindness. It is not uncommon that those random acts of kindness, when we engage in them, if we are the ones who are engaging in that random act of kindness, they are sometimes met with shock. Oh my gosh, somebody was nice to me, right? Why are those things so shocking? Why? That's the thing I want to find out. Why are those things so shocking? We are shocked, ultimately, by what is unexpected. What if we lived in a world where kindness was the expectation? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Like, how different would our lives be? How different would our world be if we collectively, and let's just start with this room, collectively decided that we were going to live in a world where kindness is expected. That is my expectation. Whenever I go out and I go, I was about to say I go to Dillard's. I don't know why Dillard's comes up. How long has Dillard's been out of business? (laughs) Oh, they're still open in the Midwest. Okay. I've not spent any time in the Midwest. Um, (laughs) I don't know why Dillard's comes to mind. So I go out and I go to a department store. There we go. Random department store. And I go in and I can either lead with kindness and expect kindness, or I can lead with something else and expect something else. I think oftentimes I'm looking to see what are the ways that they're trying to manipulate me here. What if I chose to let go of that? This all begins with us, each and every one of us individually, being the change first. We know that quote, be the change you wish to see in the world. We are the energy. We are the infinite energy that allows that change to unfold in all that is. We can begin by up-leveling our frequency in everything we do, in every way we choose to be. We can up-level our frequency, and I want to up-level it. I want to go to those high frequencies of consistent love, consistent kindness, consistent peace, and consistent joy. Doesn't that, I mean, just feel the difference in the energy of this room right here and right now by just speaking those words, not because of the content of the words, but because of the energy that we have infused in those ideas. How different this room feels already, because what's happening is we're actually engaged in a sympathetic resonance. Sympathetic resonance. You know what sympathetic resonance is? Musicians might know what sympathetic resonance is. So sympathetic resonance is this. You have a passive vibratory body, say a, a, a string on a guitar, on a bass guitar. Symp- that's sympathetic resonance, actually, right now. Because there's a, yeah, there's a tone that it, it's picking up a vibrational expression somewhere in the room, and that string tuned to that frequency is vibrating and sympathetically. If you take a tuning fork, and you have another tuning fork that is, the same, uh, that is the same frequency, and you bang that tuning fork, and it starts to vibrate, and you put those tuning forks close to each other, the other tuning fork, without actually touching it, will begin to vibrate at the same frequency. That's sympathetic vibration. A passive vibratory body, ex- it, it responds to external vibrations to which it has harmonic likeness. So by just And by just expressing the energy of love, kindness, joy, and peace, 
we are in a sympathetic resonance right here and right now because we are, each and every one of us, in harmonic likeness. I think if we weren't in harmonic likeness, we probably wouldn't all be gathered together in this room. So, sympathetic resonance is a way that we can experience life because here's the converse side of that. If you're frequency is tuned to those low vibrations, you're going to be in sympathetic resonance and you're going to draw to yourself all of those things which are in alignment with those low vibrational energies. We also get to be in active choice. We can be in active vibration of those high frequencies of love, joy, kindness, and peace. We can set the tone and find that there are those who are in sympathetic resonance with us. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Vibrate harmoniously with and as the energy that I would like to be in alignment with. That's my choice. That's how I choose to be. Do I always succeed at that? Yes. <laughs> and here's, a, here's, here, here's something to consider. Do, within that, do we need to be the same? No. We just need to be in harmonic likeness. Because what is love, peace, kindness, joy, compassion, whatever, joy, whatever it is, the way it vibrates within me is going to express differently than the way it vibrates in every other single person I encounter. So we don't need to be the same. Unity does not mean uniformity. It's an invitation into harmonic likeness. This is how we can activate ourselves and become alive with joy. The Dalai Lama offers this. This is my simple religion. There is no need for temples, no need for complicated philosophy. Our own brain, our own heart is our temple. The philosophy is love and kindness. It's all I choose in every moment. This is my simple religion. There is no need for temples, no need for complicated philosophy. Boy, do we complicate this philosophy. It really does boil down. This philosophy is simple. God is. We are. That's it. That's it. We can broadcast the energy and receive the energy of love kindness, peace, and joy. So what will you choose for your broadcast to be today? How about alive with joy? Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. If you are new to our community, this is where I give the homework <laughs> that I might have to start grading every week. This is a back-to-basics week. Um, I, like I said before, I do like to go, kind of go back to the basics at the beginning of a new year and really engage in some of the premises upon which all of the complications we offer in this philosophy are built. So I'm gonna invite you to engage in four things to raise your vibration this week. One, let us start by being aware of our thoughts. Let us start by opening up in awareness to what it is we are thinking. What is the frequency of our thoughts? Two, I'm going to invite us all to start each day with gratitude. 
in a gratitude practice. What is it when I wake up and I open my eyes, what is it that I am grateful for? It could just be that I have opened my eyes yet again today. (laughs) Number three, practice forgiveness. We oftentimes equate forgiveness as this big thing. Oh, I have to forgive. Well, you don't have to do anything. But I'm going to invite us to practice forgiveness in a microcosmic expression. What are the little things that I can choose to forgive? I mean, do we conceive of forgiveness as a grand thing? Because that's part of it, yes. But sometimes I think we forget there are microcosmic elements to our life. Let us practice forgiveness for those things we perceive as small. And the fourth one is practice extreme kindness, no matter what you are faced with. No matter what. If you're on the phone with that customer service representative, (laughs) if you have to return something to Dillard's, (laughs) and you're getting something other than kindness, your role perhaps might be to vibrate at the frequency of kindness, no matter what. Hi, this is Rev. Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.